Well, we're going to be thinking about this passage from uh, Luke chapter 19, the triumphal entry. And this is a passage which is just so, so much connected with the um, Palm Sunday that I think it's quite hard to, to separate the two things. And in fact, I was thinking as I was preparing this passage, just how difficult it was actually to, uh, how difficult it was to, to not think in terms of Palm Sunday, because that is how it sort of, um, that, that's just the way that we think, you know, Palm Sunday, uh, the triumphal entry, you know, just get in that mindset. But this is why it's good to look at passages which are perhaps a little bit uh, different to you know, out, out of their normal context because it helps us to see them differently. So last year we looked at the, um, the infancy narratives, you know, the, um, the beginning of chapters of Matthew. We looked at that in the summer. Uh, today we're looking at Palm Sunday's uh, passage um, in, uh, in May. And so I hope that you will uh, enjoy looking at what this passage has to say to us, perhaps with slightly fresh eyes. And, you know, maybe we could do something a bit crazy um, next year. I don't know. Maybe we could do the, well, I say the Easter passages, but actually Easter is sort of appropriate to look at all year round, really, isn't it? We look at those passages very often um, all year round. Anyway, so in the last few years, we have... Uh, a phenomenon has sort of come up more, which is the rise of those who are spiritual but not religious. Spiritual but not religious. So sometimes called the rise of the nuns. Uh, not nuns as in, you know, nunneries, uh, but nuns, N-O-N-E. You know, that those who say they have no religion. And, uh, and this is um, more of a you know, more of a common thing. It's becoming more of a common thing that younger people especially say they have no, no religion. And yet, they're still religious. That's the interesting thing. If you ask them what they believe, they still believe in God or a higher power. They, um, in the last few weeks particularly, Google, uh, the search engine uh, giant, they have recorded that there are more people searching for prayer now than, than in previous weeks. So a lot more people asking about prayer. Uh, and so uh, people, I think it's hard to eliminate that religious nature of life, isn't it? However much we say we have no religion, you can't eliminate it uh, completely. And I've, I've just been struck really how the, the clap for the NHS is almost quite a religious thing, isn't it? How the, um, a few weeks ago, I don't know if you do Joe Wick's PE, but he was, you know, just asked everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes for, for the NHS. And I thought, well, that's almost like prayer, isn't it? So, you know, this is, this is the thing that people are desperate for a kind of religion, for a kind of spirituality. But the question is, what is true spirituality? What is true spirituality? And that's really what we're going to be thinking about as we come to this passage now from, from Luke chapter 19, thinking about what is true spirituality. And so Jesus, in this, this well-known passage, Jesus, he, he starts out by demonstrating his power and control. And he, uh, he goes up to Jerusalem and he comes to the villages outside and he says, go to the village ahead of you, and you'll find a colt tied there which no one's ever ridden. Untied and bring it here. And if anyone asks you why you're untying it, say the Lord needs it. Now, how Jesus knew this 
again we don't know you know perhaps it was sort of a um, revealed by God perhaps it was a dream given to this man perhaps he um, you know what I don't know how it happened but Jesus is just demonstrating here his control over circumstances so I'm just going to I'm just realized I've left my phone on so I'm going to turn this off for the moment so Jesus demonstrates his control over uh, the circumstances and there are echoes here of, of Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. I'm sure that's a verse which you remember from Palm Sunday. But, you know, about the, your king comes to you, gentle, lowly, lowly, humble, riding on a donkey. And uh, again, that's what is, is going on here, that Luke particularly records it as, as cult. And he makes that clear. So he wants us to hear those echoes saying, this is the Lord coming in to, to Jerusalem. Now, it's interesting, isn't it, how the parable that we looked at uh, two weeks ago, uh, last week was our first Wednesday, but two weeks ago, the parable that we looked at had a man being made king, going, going away to be made king. And I think, again, it's interesting that this is coming up here, isn't it? How Jesus is uh, coming to Jerusalem as king, and yet, as there were in the parable in the last week, that um, there were people who didn't want the, the, the man to be made king. And so we, see, so we see that here as well. But there are people who are, are joyful about Jesus. So they, um, the people, it says, spread their cloaks on the road, Jesus' uh, disciples, and there must have been a crowd sort of gathering, seeing Jesus coming in. They just got their cloaks, they spread them on the roads. Another gospel refers to them cutting palm branches, um, and uh, that's why we call it Palm Sunday. Uh, but we don't call it Cloak Sunday, strangely enough. Um, I suppose Cloak Sunday's got less of a ring to it, hasn't it? Um, but uh, the people were getting their cloaks, spreading them on the, on the road, and they sang out, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. And this is a, a quotation from Psalm 118. It's interesting looking at the context of this psalm, how it's talking about uh, God's victory and, you know, the king coming back after a, a sort of a mighty victory. And, um, you know, that I just find that an interesting kind of way of thinking about what's going on here. You know, the king, God the king coming in uh, from victory. Uh, that's something to explore another time, I think. Um, but uh, the Pharisees... As usual, the Pharisees, they are the ones who really don't have very much kind of, um, they don't like it, you know. And so it says, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. They don't believe and they don't want any of this shouting out nonsense. It's causing a fuss, you know, it's, uh, it's just, it's just, ah, stop it. Tell your, rebuke your disciples. This is nonsense. But Jesus says, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And I love this from, from Jesus. You know, he says, look, even an inanimate object knows more of what's going on of God's plans than you do. Even an inanimate object knows more than you do. You know, if these people keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And what a rebuke uh, to the Pharisees. And so, uh, so Jesus, as he's riding into, into Jerusalem, 
he, he weeps over the city. And he says, uh, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. And he says, you did not recognise the time of God's coming to you. So Jerusalem did not recognise Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. Jerusalem did not recognise their king, their God, coming to them. And so they were going to, to fall into judgment. And this is why Jesus talks about the days coming when your enemies will build. <coughs> oh, excuse me. The pollen count must be high today. And so this is why Jesus talks about uh, the judgment. Because as we know from later on in, in history, the Romans did come. There was a rebellion against Rome. The Romans came and they sacked Jerusalem in about 70 AD. And I think this is what Jesus is, is referring to, the destruction of, of the temple. And it was all just, just raised to the ground. You know, they burnt it and so on. And he says, these are the consequences of rejecting Jesus. These are the consequences of rejecting Jesus. And then we have this little incident at the end. I think it's not always something which is included in the Palm Sunday readings, but I think it does help us to make sense of what's going on here. Now, Jesus goes into the temple and he began, began to drive out those who were selling. Uh, it is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. I think this is what's going on, that Jesus is just exposing the truth about their spirituality. You know that the temple, the Pharisees, the obedience to the law, all of that, you know, that at the end of the day, it's nothing because the, the temple's not a house of prayer like it should have been. You know, that even the temple is, is just being used as a kind of religious symbol, but not actually used as God intended it to be. It's not being used to atone for sins, to, you know, people aren't really thinking about it in those ways. It's just a house of robbers. And this is what Jesus is doing. He's exposing the Pharisees for who they are. He's exposing Jerusalem and the temple for what it is. Just saying that all of this spirituality that you've got, it's just a sham. It means nothing because you haven't recognised your God and your King. You haven't recognised the very one who you claim to worship. That's a pretty damning result, isn't it? So I'd just like to leave us with a, a challenge today as we draw to a conclusion in, in this sermon. I'd like to lead, leave us with a challenge. And that is, how do we respond to Jesus? Now that is the mark of true spirituality. How do we respond to Jesus? So I think the first thing that we should do, I've got three things. The first thing that we should do is pray that we wouldn't be like the Pharisees. Because all of us have got that inner Pharisee inside of us that kind of looks at Jesus and said, oh, that's a bit much, isn't it? Just, just calm it down a bit. You know, we don't want that here. But actually, we need to pray that we, we would not have that attitude. And we need to pray that we would welcome Jesus and that we would welcome uh, his word. We will welcome all of those things. I've, I know I've had friends who have been in, uh, gone to churches as a curate or as a vicar. 
and they preached in those churches and what they found is that the word of God is not welcome and that when they preach the Bible, when they talk about our sins, our need for repentance, our need for Jesus and our saviour, then that's not welcome. Sadly, that is the case in, uh, in some churches. And I think we need to pray that we wouldn't have that attitude, that when we hear the word of God, that it would fall on, on soft hearts and that God would enable us to hear what he has to say to us. Because you know, by nature, we don't like hearing the message about sin and about salvation and about Jesus. You know, we don't like it. So we should pray that God would help us to have soft hearts when we hear his word. Uh, the second thing is that we need to pray for our leaders. And I was really struck, actually, when I was, I was reading this, how the people seem to welcome Jesus enthusiastically. But it's the leaders, the Pharisees particularly, who reject Jesus. And again, I, I think this is the way it's always been, that you would think that the leaders of the people should be the ones who are setting the spiritual tone and who are strongest in faith and have the closest walk with God and so on. But that, that wasn't the case then and it, it rarely is the case now. And I know this in, in the Church of England, unfortunately, it seems to be the case that the higher up in the church you go, the less likely it is that you find someone who really has confidence in the word of God. And, you know, to, to have that kind of um, drawing on, on the theology and the doctrine from the Bible. I don't know why that should be the case. I think there is pressure. Unfortunately, the higher up you go, there is much more pressure. And... Um, it just made me think we should pray for our leaders, you know, because it's so easy for them to drift off. And uh, it's so easy as a, a bishop or in a, in a sort of spiritual leadership or in secular le leadership as well for that pressure to conform to the world. And it must be very strong pressure if you're in leadership. So we should pray for our leaders and we should pray that God would keep them strong uh, in the faith and um, you know, God would enable them to stand firm on the word of God, to stand firm on true and sound doctrine uh, in, a, in an age when it's very hard to do so. Uh, and the third thing is that we should pray that many people would recognise Jesus before it's too late. Now, I was starting out by saying that, you know, we live in a, in a society which doesn't believe and yet religion is everywhere in a sense, you know, like the, like the clap for the NHS or, or what have you. And I think we should pray that many people would come to know and to, uh, to recognise Jesus before it's too late. Because this is, this is the thing, as Jesus said about Jerusalem, so there will be judgment for those who do not recognise Jesus now. Those who do not acknowledge him as their Lord and their God. So let's pray that during this time that many people especially would come to recognise and acknowledge Jesus as their Lord and their God and will come to, to worship him and respond to him rightly before it is too late. So let's take a moment now to, uh, to close with a prayer and we'll ask God to help us. We'll ask God to help us with, with all of these things. So Heavenly Father, we uh, do thank you for this challenge and we pray that you would help us to respond rightly to Jesus. We pray that you would help us not to be like the Pharisees, help us to have soft hearts to Jesus and to your word 
and to the gospel. We pray for our leaders uh, that they may, uh, they may hold fast to your word. And uh, whether spiritual leaders or um, in government or wherever, Lord, we ask that people would seek your will and your word. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that especially at this time, this uncertain and difficult time in our country, we pray that many people would turn and respond to Jesus rightly, would uh, seek to worship him as their Lord and God, and come to you, we pray. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.